مرحبا and welcome to the Habibis. Three game developers drinking good Arab tea. I am your host for today, Fauzi Mesmar. And I'm Osama Dorius. And I think that's it for this week as well, right? I'm not, or, we're not right? doing the I am from you smile. <laughs> that's not what he sounds like, though. He's more of a I'm from you smile. Astaghfirullah, Habibis. That was a terrible impression. Um, so yeah, I wasn't here for this episode uh, for the recording. I uh, was preoccupied, and uh, thanks so much for Osama and Fauzi picking it up, doing the episode. I'm sure it's um, it's going to be an interesting one. The benefit I have is that I'm the editor. So as I'm sitting here and going through the recording, uh, I thought, why not be a little part of this episode after all, and just do some editor's notes. So. I'm excited to hear where this goes. Um, hope it'll be a, a interesting and, and diverse discussion about lots of interesting topics. And uh, yeah, let's go. But yeah, that was that was a really bad impression. I am terrible at impersonation. Anyway, I just uh, wanted to say that I've been doing well. I've been uh, flying airplanes and uh, just been having a really good time. I've been playing lots of Destiny. Had my first uh, first chance at the uh, the uh, new raid, and it's just very good, very good stuff. I. Didn't get really far, only beat the first encounter, but it's just Bungie is so good at what they do. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Osama and Fauzi aren't going to say or acknowledge that. Uh, been playing a bit of um, playing a bit of Elden Ring. Uh, it's very good. The UI UX is not great, but I don't feel like getting dragged on Twitter again. So uh, let's leave it at that. I'm going to hop off because uh, I have... <laughs> And I, I don't know how long this episode is, but I have quite a bit of this podcast to edit left. I'll hand you back your podcast, Fauzi, Osama, take it away. We thought we, we thought we'd go the other end instead of like really high pitch, we go really low pitch for Rami. Because <laughs> when I'm not there, hi, Fauzi, where's more? And I'm not there. <laughs> that's just my default. That's not my voice voice, by the way. <laughs> I, think, I think with the many attempts at the end of the episode, though, one of them sounded like you, right? Yeah, well, you're not a good judge of that. We don't know what we sound like. I think most of them do. <laughs> Luckily, I hear myself <laughs> on a podcast way more than I would like. <laughs> tell me about it. Oh, I hate hearing myself on anything. Oh. It's so strange. Well, I, like, I, I get so cringe, man, listening to myself talking about anything. <laughs> yeah, same. And and watching myself is even worse. Like, video? Oh. I, I don't know how people do this every week. They, like, you know, sit there and listen to me talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't I can it. listen I can... to you talk all the time, Fozzy. Uh, nonstop. Habibi. If I could have you in my ear all the time, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Careful to wish for someone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> never done. But have a designated Habibi earpiece that you're wearing all the time. <laughs> I love it. That's like you... a Horizon reference, right? <laughs> you wake up and I'm like, they're here. Sabah al khair, Habibi. And like, oh my God. <laughs> What have I done? It's like a Black Mirror episode. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, uh, Rami couldn't be here today. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like if if we had a series of episodes in which we'll only be talking about Destiny, then you and I might as well take some vacation, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But, you you know, he's been playing, I'm sure, he's been playing a ton of Dusty. We're not going to hear the end of it when he comes back. That's true. That's true. We're going to have a six-episode Dusty, like, series or something after this. Exactly. 
Yeah, when he gets back, maybe you and I should just, you know, chill for a bit and let him do all yeah. the flying and destiny talking for a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm down for that. Let's make we, it happen. We'd have spoken about Elden Ring for like, I don't know, three, four episodes by then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of Elden Ring, what have you been playing this week? Wow. What else? Like, I don't think... Osama, I don't think, like, I uh, I can think about anything else other than Elden Ring, really. Yeah, it's yeah. it's bizarre because that kind of happened to me too, and I wasn't even into it at the beginning. Join us. I, don't... <laughs> I, I mean, I was hoping this would happen, but it still took me by surprise because, as I mentioned on the last three episodes, I've tried every, do- I literally bought and played every single Souls game, including Bloodborne and uh, what's the other one, Sekiro. Sekiro. And I couldn't get, yeah, I couldn't get yeah. into any of them. And I yeah. tried really hard, so I'm actually shocked that it happened. I was expecting the same outcome, but I'm I'm kind of into it, and uh, but it didn't it didn't happen the way I expected it to happen. Mm-hmm. You want to hear about that? Let's hear about that. And the thing is, like you know, um, I'm a fan of these games, and I'm still surprised about how good this game is. Yeah, that makes sense. How did it you... is really. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll gush about it in a second, but I'm very curious to hear how you like turn things around. So, um, first experience, I've, I've spoken about it was terrible. I died, 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 like over and over, and it was just like I don't, I don't understand. Everything kills me here. Um, I think like you just came down the hill and you started fighting that night, right? I think I only yeah. defeated that night like after 30 hours of playing the game. Oh wow! Okay, I'm at like 12 <laughs> hours now. And I tried to beat him, and I mm. came very close. I came. Yeah, very you close. can. I had, yeah, yeah. I had about um, maybe ten percent of his health was left. So even mm. though it wasn't like you know the the videos that you see where there's a sliver and the, he killed me, that was the closest I came. And on I've tried a number of times recently in the last couple of hours that I've played, and um, that was the closest I came. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna come back to this later. I'm I'm very close. I, I, I tried beating the first boss um, mm. now, and I came... Which one? Uh, less Morgit. close? Morgit? Yes. Yeah. Yes, the old, the, old, the old man with a hunch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The giant old man with a hunch. <laughs> that describes like yeah. maybe 35 different enemies. <laughs> <as well. laughs> fair, fair. But yeah, that one. Uh, Morgit good, as they call him. Right? Yes. I'm, I'm getting good enough to fight him. Uh, I'm close. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I got him down to about 20 or 30 uh, percent of his health. Uh, as long as there's no second phase to that fight, which this is a Souls game, so I don't know and don't tell me. But as long as there's nothing, no surprises, I think I could get him in not too long. Nice. Uh, but that, but that's the thing about this game, is compared to the other Souls games, the reason I fell off of the other Souls games, Souls games is always the same. I hit a wall, mm-hmm. and the way to get past this wall is either to keep practicing, practicing, and get slightly better. Or to go grind. Uh, both things I found completely unappealing, and I, yeah. I, I gave up. And it's different bosses for each game. Like, uh, so I've never beaten more than the first boss in any of the Souls games. That's mm-hmm. the, the, the second boss is. It's either the, the first blocker is either the first boss or the second boss. That's it. Yeah. I've never seen more than any of that in any game. Here, I've played for. As long as I like already, I've caught up to the number of hours I put into the uh, next Souls game, and I haven't even beat the first boss. But I've explored so much, and there's still like I have a 
laundry, laundry list of things in in the world right now that I want to, to go see and explore. Where in the other games, there's just like one thing. There's just one thing blocking me and there, there's nothing else I could do. Yeah. So I think that is the biggest difference. When people are saying this is not like other Souls games because it's more approachable, I don't think they're talking about literally anything else except the fact that it's an open world and you have options to come back later. So you don't have to like throw yourself at the same wall or go mm. right. It There's is, nothing but, uh... else. The, uh, I would I would say that the other thing that uh, would make it a little bit easier. So there's two things that makes it a little bit easier as well. Uh, so the one is how you grind. So if you want to grind, is that okay. um, because of the because of it's an open world, you can find places that will give you optimum XP for the time you want to spend on grinding. True. So you can travel, sure. find an enemy that gives you a decent amount of XP close to a bonfire. Um, uh, sorry, a grace. A point. Yeah. I still keep saying the bonfire, <laughs> and then like yeah, yes. kill a bunch of those, and then go back, heal, fill your flasks, and do it over again until you can level up. So there's that. Yes. Uh, the other thing that makes it much easier is that um, they have a mechanic called the spirit ashes. Yeah, which is which, yeah, I'm, not yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. which I'm not sure if you use. Maybe you have it actually. I know some if, have I, used, if I if you haven't I have, used I have. it yet. I might, I might be now like really make uh, uh, things a lot easier for you. <laughs> no, I have, I have a bunch of them. I've been using them, and that's the only reason I have a chance with the bosses because they. Which ones do them. you use? Uh, by now, I think you probably have the wolf and the jellyfish. I have the wolf, the jellyfish. I have skele- uh, two different skeletons. Uh, the two skeletons. Nice. Yeah, I have a rain skeleton and I have um, a spear skeleton. Nice. Yeah. So th- these, this is a new mechanic. Uh, in which, like, you can summon something to help take the aggro off you, and you okay. can take the boss. That really yeah. helps. Uh, but I, don't I know didn't if you've realize used that that was new. I've used that a lot, but I didn't realize it was new. I didn't know if the other Souls games had them. I I just yeah. figured maybe I didn't encounter them or something. Well, this one has what other Souls games has, and you can like uh, summon another player to come in and help. Yes. And that could yes. really help, by the way. So, like, if you feel stuck, and this is what I really like about this game, is that also if you feel stuck, you can summon another player. And right now it's in the zeitgeist. So there's a lot of players. You can yes. summon another player and then come and help you out. And I've also, like, seen uh, it's a really cool part of this game is that there's people that once they beat a boss, they stay there and help at least five or ten other players before they move on. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like I've gone through this and I'm going to help out and then move on. And I love that. I love it. I love it a lot too. Um, so honestly, I think the only reason I haven't fell off the game is because someone jumped in and helped me. Not help mm. me fight a boss. Yeah. Um, so, so basically, I was getting frustrated. I really was. But there's something really compelling about the world that I really like. I was playing Horizon before this, and I yeah. was loving Horizon. I was mm-hmm. actually enjoying it big time. But Horizon was like, it's a... I was going to finish it. I had never a doubt in my mind that I was going to make it to the end, right? Mm-hmm. Elden Ring, there was, like, right now, I don't think I'll finish it. I, I don't know. I, well, I'm getting far in it. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to mm-hmm. try until, uh, like, but I, you know, there's this frustration meter that keeps, uh, that's still there. Like, so I still die in really dumb ways, and I'm like, why, why am I dying this way? This mm-hmm. makes no sense, that kind of thing. But the world compels me to come back. I want to see more of it. There are enough fun stories and weird interactions that are happening that I want more of. So I'm, I want to come back to the world. And I think that's, uh, 
that's the difference between the, the, the other games I'm playing right, right now. Or actually, there are no other games. That's exactly the point. Other mm-hmm. games I could be playing right now and this is that there's there's this pull that I can't explain about. Yeah. And I, I've only had it recently in one other game, and that was Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Because in, when I played Breath of the Wild, there were parts of the map I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And I cannot, I cannot not see those parts. There's mm-hmm. nothing pulling me there. There's no quest log. There's no uh, you know, point on the map. There's nothing like that except the fact that when there were other parts in this game that I hadn't seen and I went there, I was surprised. I was like, wow, there was something interesting just there waiting for me. I think and that mechanic, is a thing. Yeah, I think yes. from a mechanics point of view, like that, um, the inverse of traditional open world design in which like, there is no marker to tell you what you could find there, but yeah. you know that there is probably something there. Or yeah. you're thinking at the back of your head that um, the designers are probably going to reward me for my curiosity. So yes. it it piques your curiosity even more than usual. So if you like, yeah. in like more traditional open world games, if you look at the map and then you see, for example, the southwest part of the map has two icons, then you're going to go to those two icons. And then once you investigate them, then you're like, okay, that part of the map is over. I'm good. Exactly. Whereas that if there was nothing in this game, you start to think to yourself, is there something? And then you go yeah. and do, uh, you go there, and then indeed you will find something. And almost always, um, you will also find that something that's going to be really worth your while, that either really makes you stronger, really adds to the lore or the story of the game, or like just, mm-hmm. you know, will be breathtaking in terms of the view. Yes, absolutely. That I couldn't have said it better myself, but it's exactly, it, that's the feeling I get across both those games that, I can't name another game that had it uh, at, yeah. the, at that level. I can't. Except I Breath of the Wild, really. Exactly. Breath of the Wild and Elden, Elden Ring. I, yeah. I don't have it elsewhere. Yeah. Now, there's a lot I also dislike about Elden Ring. Before we jump into Oh, you want to talk about the good before we go to the bad. I, I still want to spend enough time talking about how magnificent this game is. But also, like, I want to also add another point to, um, you know, the the curiosity-based design. Yeah. Um, in Breath of the Wild, what I really liked about this game is that in addition to exploring map areas, there was also like small segments of the game in which you'd be, you'd be going around and you see a tree and you say, mm-hmm. if I climb up that tree, what would happen? Like a small yeah. tree. And then you go in and you get like a... a an item or a korok seed or something like that. Or you see mm-hmm. four trees that are in an odd position and then you add a fourth rock next to them and then you form a shape and then you get rewarded with a korok. It's almost mm-hmm. like um, there, there's, there's small nudges, not, in, not even like, you know, to explore large areas. The design of the game um, drives your curiosity to even explore smaller things. To yeah. go like, if I make this jump that seems look that looks that I shouldn't be doing it, will the designer have known that I will do it? And then you make that jump, and then the designer would put something there for you. It feels like every time you're doing this curiosity expeditions, it's like the designer's on the other side giving you a high five. Yes. I, I had that moment in Elden Ring as well, where I was on like a high uh, uh 
part of the map, right? And I look down and there's this other entire area that I know I'm not supposed to reach yet. Like it's far, right? But I was like, no, there has to be a way for me to break this. There has to be a way for me to jump down there. But of course, jumping, you'll die. And I tried it. I actually was like, is this distance too far? Uh, yeah, it's just too far. But there has like maybe that's a soft spot. And I tried a couple of times and I died a couple of times. And then I found this jutting rock that's super tiny, like mm-hmm. very, very, very thin surface. And I, it's exactly the maximum height of what I would judge I, I'm able to, to, to jump. And I'm like, can I make that jump? I had to like jump with the horse and not double jump and <laughs> not leave from the edge. And I landed just on it. Like really, like if it was a second more, I would have fell to my death. And then I was able to reach this new area sequence breaking but it's there like when i go back to the top and i'm like oh wow there were like oh, there was a path between those rocks something pulled me towards trying this exact same spot in the design but it was super subtle so when i yeah. tried it like it felt like i was clever and i was breaking the sequence but it's so masterfully done that i had to actually go back up to be like why did i try it was a long stretch of 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 uh, real estate and I chose this exact spot, right? Yeah. It was so, so well done. And the game is filled with moments like that where, where they're just nudging you in, in a direction. And I was rewarded with a huge, vast area with a lot of interesting things like uh, to, to explore that I don't think I, should, I would have been there. Like I, there was no, I, I backtracked and I looked for another way in there, any secrets. I couldn't find any. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are multiple <laughs> ways. But that, little love. things like that, there's so many of them that I just, yes. like, I play into the wee hours of the night. I haven't played much. Like I said, 13 hours in, in two weeks sounds like a very small amount of time. And from how long I play games, like the amount of time I have, that especially now, the week before GDC, with all the prep I have to do, that's an enormous amount of time. That It really is. Like, I teach at night, and I prepare yeah. classes, and I'm, like, I have so many things that I'm juggling. I know I know you're the same uh, um, Fauzi, yeah, I know you have a similar schedule. So for me to find this much time for a game now is is a lot. It's a, a testament actually... to how amazing that game is, man. And I can I can like you know you twelve hours with all of that stuff that you have going. It's just <laughs> it's just a yeah. lot. And most of the time it's just like oh okay good I have thirty minutes before I go to bed. I look at the time. Oh my god, it's been three hours. Yeah. Like yeah. Like it's that. It's just like oh and I have to do this thing. I have to... and you think like that's you take mental notes of all the places you want to go. Like I'm excited to go back and push forward in a few other areas. Yeah. And Oh, the other thing that we didn't mention is the addition of a mount. Oh, now yes. that there's a, a horse, true. I can just like, I've okay. This is a minor spoiler, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe no, you know what? I'm not going to mention what kind of creature it is. Let's yeah, just cool. suffice it to yeah. say there were really, really, really huge, dangerous looking creatures that Earlier in, in the in the game, I encountered one of them, and I never wanted to go back to the area. <laughs> and, <laughs> and while exploring on horseback, I saw another one, and my instincts were to run towards it. And then I saw a field of them, and I'm here running like <laughs> on my horse between these like there were at least four of them that I could see just casually walking around. I aggro them and I, and I, I'm because I'm on horseback, I'm able to like, you know, lose them. 
And I yeah. was able to explore this area with really scary looking creatures that if there was no horse, I would have died for sure. I wouldn't have even, actually, I wouldn't have died. I wouldn't even, I would have seen the first one and turned back around. That's all. Yeah. I would have been like, you know what? I'm going to die here. There's no way I could survive this. So it's allowing me to see like parts of the world in advance, like almost a foreshadowing that I'm excited to get strong enough to be able to actually walk through and kill things. And that yeah. feeling, by the way, of, oh, like, I, I, that, that's not unique to this game. I won't pretend that it is, but that feeling of, oh, I'm strong enough to fight that person who really gave me a really hard time at the beginning of the game, for, it still feels more pronounced in this game than any for sure. game I've played. An amount that can double jump, I think that's pretty much um, <laughs> unique to this game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. that's I can't think of another game that had that. But there, uh, like, I know mounts that can fly, but mounts that can double jump, that's a new one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it works so well. It fits it's so well. It's great. And I, I, I agree with you, actually, that that mount is such a game changer because like, um, if you find out that you're in a, in, a, in a tricky spot outside of a dungeon or something like that, and you want to be ready to engage with this location, the game allows you to leg it. You know, get on the mount, get out of there, and then come back when you're ready. And that's that's superb. It also like allows you sometimes to cheese it. And you know, yes. with, a, with a game this difficult, I think it's legit that you cheese sometimes. You know, like yeah, get on that no horse, run behind the things, get the items that you want, and get out. That's legit. You know, it works. If it's in the game, you're allowed to take it. And if it allows you to enjoy it all the more, then you know, go for it. Yeah. Can we and, talk about how breathtaking the game is? Yeah. Like, I don't know how they were able to have so many different biomes that look you, so different from each other and feel so different from each other and look all good in very, very different ways. It's, it's this game is shocking. a masterpiece in terms of like, you yeah. know, sense of awe and like yeah. um, the way they, they use landmark design in this game is, is so inspiring. Like, you cannot. You can be placed anywhere in the open world, and then you'd look around you, and you'll find at least two to three things that spike your interest that you want to go and see what's yeah. going on. You can be dropped yeah. in a world, and then you look around you, and through some of those big um, uh, monuments or points of interest, you can orient yourself. Yeah. You know, like you look at your left, like oh, that's that big castle that I that I fought, whatever that face and and that's the giant glowing tree and that's the blah 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 you can like just you know without even looking at the map which you still use a lot but even without yeah. it you can still look around you and orient yourself based on those uh, points of interest and those points of interest like they build intrigue in or on their own it's not yeah. like it's not like they just look awesome they no. they look they look um, inviting and scary at the same time. They tell you, please come here, but also we'll probably beat you up if you come here. <laughs> <laughs> there there was a, a period in, in the game where the sky scared me. I, I was just yeah. walking in a direction and the sky turned blood red, mm -hmm. and I was like, walk. I turned around, <laughs> and walked back. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know what it. I just felt this feeling of dread. I'm like, I, I shouldn't be here. I, what, what have I done? And I turned around. When I finally came back to that area later, uh, like that feeling of dread is still associated, like it's still there, right? Except I mm -hmm. feel a little bit more powerful. But it's just that first experience I had where I'm like, oh, this place is starting to look 
different. You know, it's not as green as the other place. It's there's more death. Oh my God, this guy's red. Okay, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> The, the game, know, the game does it. this balance so well in which like you are uh you always feel that you are becoming more powerful yet yeah. you you can never get too cocky you know yeah. like oh, you yeah. you you feel that like with every level up you feel the difference you feel that um these enemies that used to be scary now they are not that scary for me in the same way because i have grown in skill and yeah. i also have grown in stats these yeah. um, fields of like you know dangerous enemies that you were talking about uh, before, later on in the games, you you look at that field and you just run through because you you're confident that you can uh, take yeah. them on. But in the spirit of all the Souls games before that, you also know that even the weakest enemy could still kill you. Yeah. So you treat this game with respect. <laughs> you know, yep. like you don't just go in and mash. Like mashing is never a thing that you get used to. Sure, some enemies you start to swipe a lot more recklessly with, but if you were too reckless, the game will be very quick to remind you that this is not that kind of game. This is the game that you I, need to be deliberate. Actually, speaking of the combat, I actually noticed that the input buffer is more generous than I'm used to. In it's very generous. And not. In a, in a bad way, and I don't mean it bad way as in this is a design mistake, but I mean it as a bad way as in it doesn't reward you to mash a button because then you might not want to attack anymore because you just saw uh, an anticipation frame for uh, like a, a different attack and you want to dodge, but it's too late. You press yeah. that attack button twice, a second attack is going to come out now. You got to commit. So you have to yeah, be able, you can't cancel. Yeah. No, you have to be extremely deliberate with your inputs. And it took me a sec to understand that. At first, I'm like, what is this input? What is happening? Because like, that's not how it usually works in, in yeah. combat games. They're much more forgiving. Um, th this is, it, it feels intentional. And it this feels is why like people uh, sometimes describe it as too slow. Huh. It's, um, I, I, this is what I think, of course. Uh, people have different experiences. But I believe that a lot of people that describe it as slow is because you know, you do that uh, heavy swing, he's going to yeah. do the heavy swing or she's going to do the heavy swing. It's going to be, you know, yeah. a couple of seconds. You can't yeah. cancel that. You can't roll out of it. You can't do anything. In most action games, even when you do the attack, the attack is not that long. And yeah. a lot of games allow you to cancel dodge out of it or to cancel into a move. You know, like there's a lot of input canceling in most action-based yeah. games. <laughs> In Souls games, nope. Like, uh, nope. there's there's some moves that have input canceling that you know uh, higher skilled players uh, will use, but mm -hmm. they're not that many. Yeah, and um, it's, but again, it's in it's in the it's intentional. Even when it's yes. not it's something you're going to stumble on accidentally, you have no. to know. And um, another thing that maybe you'll, you'll take notice on as you get more into the combat, or maybe you've noticed already, is that um, the game is also very forgiving with invincibility frames. I did actually notice. When you're dodging or jumping. Yep. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I did actually notice. I actually noticed that a lot of the attacks uh, are, you have to roll into it and not the other way around. Yes, because exactly. I, I feel like it feels initially like you should roll away from this because it's an attack, but no, you roll into it yes. because you have enough vulnerability to be able to invincibility to be able to be right up in the face of the enemy now and attack it. And that like, I, I that's not normal. <laughs> like that's not typical no. is what I should say. It's not how usually you use the role, right? Exactly. It's almost as offensive as it is defensive. And that's, that's, that's bizarre. Uh, 
Yeah, remind me about the role later. When we get to the grievances, I want yeah. to mention the role later. Yeah, yeah, of because course. I, I think it's an amazing mechanic Like once you know how to use it. Uh, exactly. But, and I think that, um, you know, like... So yeah, uh, I just thought I'd interrupt again. Uh, this is a lot of Elden Ring. Uh, you know, I'm just, you know, cutting cutting some things out and working on the flow a little. Uh, it's, not really, it's not really hard. I just can cut from anywhere to anywhere because the entire thing is about Elden Ring. Is this what it feels like when I talk about Destiny? Whew. The way we're speaking about this, like invincibility frames, using the jump, the roll, the committing to an attack and if you um, if you if an attack you're gonna get punished or if you attack and um, your attack is negative on block you're gonna get punished Uh, maybe like uh, when i reference uh, fighting games this is what i mean you know in in which like you're not treating it as like you know it's an action game gonna mash my way through or memorize a couple of combos or anything like that the more you know how your character moves which is very similar to monster hunter i think as well and the more you know how, but a lot more unforgiving. And the more yeah. you know how the enemy moves and the enemy attacks, you start to see through the game to some extent. You start to yeah. know, okay, so unpunishable, unpunishable, punishable. So block, dodge, dodge, attack. But don't yeah. attack too much. Then block, block, attack, <laughs> attack, attack. Yeah. And all of these games kind of, they... Um, they utilize this kind of formula. And like some other games, like they will add even additional mechanics to the Sekiro, added a lot more parrying and uh, a lot more timing um, mm-hmm. in, in its uh, combat. But the combat is still very deliberate, which is why like, yeah. I think um, enemies seemingly become easier over time. First of all, you, your DPS increases because you level up. But second of all, like the more you fight these enemies and succeed, the more you know their weaknesses, know the combos that work, know the timings, and know when you're going to get punished. So it becomes second the, nature the to tells, The, the tells, tells are the biggest part for me because when I first started fighting, uh, like playing the game, and now I have like I have to think back to if, if this was true of other Dark Souls games or other Souls games, I'm pretty sure it is. I thought that the tells of the attacks were too subtle. I couldn't tell, like, you know, the, the sword goes up, what is going to come up? I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be either this move or this move. But as you keep playing them, you actually know, you you start seeing, like, it's it's weird. I wouldn't have assumed that you, you that I would know this, this well. I'm like, oh, okay, this is the forward thrust. Oh, okay, yeah. this is the side. Okay, that is the charge where the, I get hit with the shield. Oh, that's the charge where I get swiped, you know. Yeah. But it it takes it takes way longer than other games where they're telegraphed so in an obvious way that even if you're seeing it for the first time, you know what attack is coming. Here, you have to learn the association for better or worse, because this yeah. is not a this is such a cool thing. This is just how it works. And not understanding that initially was a point of frustration where it yeah. felt like the attacks were random, and I couldn't understand why anyone would. Would think that was fun and then later i realized no no the, the attacks are not random they're just subtle in they're some very... cases in some uh, other cases are less subtle but in, in some cases you're like okay these two tells uh it takes time to be able to tell them apart pun intended. yes and i think right. it's unanimous i'm happy that you brought up this point i think like what i think in contrary to a lot of other combat design in which like the tell is designed so that you'd be able to react even if it's your first time seeing it. Yeah. So there is enough time between the tell and the attack for you to be able to react. Like so player reaction time Mm 
is kind of measured within it. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas I think in a lot of these Souls games, uh, you have it has to become second nature. So it, like some of these tells you can't know from the beginning, mm-hmm. and you just have to get used to that enemy to be able to really uh, read those tells. Which once you do makes you very powerful, uh, both as yeah. a player and also how you feel about uh, your growth within the game. But yeah. if you're first getting in and you don't see that system, it's so frustrating. And it feels random. That's the worst part. It's frustrating and you don't... like. It took me by surprise. I, mm-hmm. I look for these things and it took me by surprise. At one point, I'm like, I don't get it. How did I know they were going to do that? And I had to actually stop for a second because it becomes like instinct, right? It becomes instinct. Yeah. You see it and you react faster than you think it. I had to actually like pause the game, like also joke because you can't pause the game, but pause the game in my head at each hell <laughs> and you know take a snapshot and be like, oh, that's how I knew that this this is a blocking thing and not a, a dodging thing, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how yeah, I yeah. knew which which reaction to do. And like I said, it's for better or worse. That's not necessarily everyone's. Uh, cup of tea some people no. don't want to to uh, there are different player types different ways people enjoy games and different uh, ways people can uh get fun out of them and some people they don't like uh getting over a challenge that's not something that's appealing to them and that's fair yeah. and if you understand that this is how combat works in this game and, and for a lot of people it is it's exactly what they're looking for Uh, And I'm one of those people I actually like getting over a challenge, except my threshold these days is low because of my time. Mm -hmm. But I've played hard games my whole life and I used to love playing hard games. It's not a, it's not a, this is a lifestyle thing that changed. It's not a personality thing that changed. I no longer have the time to invest and go in the lab and learn how to do these things. So my threshold for it is lower. Uh, But in general, like there are a lot of people who like getting over challenges if the if the game not this is not, not I'm not I'm going to pick my words carefully because it sounds like criticism at this point it's not criticism but if people knew going in that this is what it was I think that would alleviate uh, a lot of the frustration because that that part is not it's so subtle it's not a thing that's normally explained in games at all there's no real way to explain it either yeah and it just makes for a completely different experience than most games out there i think i played one other game that was like this a long time ago which was ninja gaiden I don't know yeah i was about to say it's the only one yeah, i could yeah, think yeah. of that's like that it's the only one yeah and it was also a huge point of frustration before i understood the the subtleties yeah uh, but like it's only now that i understand why i, I was getting better at that game like and it's, you know, and it's one of those things it. that you know how can you explain beforehand you kind of like you have to go through it to kind of get it <laughs> yeah you do you do you do yeah but like that's the thing don't mash in this game everything has to be intentional you're it's gonna be bad and feel random at the beginning it takes a long time to to start understanding it and if you're okay with all that it's extremely rewarding it feels really good when you're able to uh, get over one of those challenges that yeah. before felt impossible. Yeah, That's it. I think as as like you know, over thirty hours in, I I can't see myself stopping or slowing down anytime soon. Like the more I go into this game, the more I see the scope, the more I see the the huge investment in details, and I am genuinely in awe of it. Like I. Yeah. I don't say this about games regularly, but this game is a masterpiece, really. Yeah, I, I do. I will agree with that. 
I don't know if I'm going to finish it simply because I now I'm starting to see the pattern and I do understand that my my like my time limit uh, how how long I play games for and the, like there's a there's a ROI the, a return mm. on investment point where I'm going to have to spend way too long to get over the hurdles whether it be grinding or um or, or actually getting good, as people say, yeah. uh, which I don't. I don't know for how long I'm gonna stay with it. It could be another five hours. It could be another fifty. Yeah, it could I'll be like you know. the, the more you, um, the more you get, like you know, get invested in the game and like you get to know it. The, like I find it's one of those things with a lot of Souls games is that the more time I spend with it, the better I become at it, and the easiest, the easier and hardest it become. You know, like it becomes harder and easier yeah. at the same time. Um, but it's just like the amount of details that's in this game and the level design, the world design, character design. I'm I'm in awe. Combat design, like all of this stuff. The uh, it's uh, when people are saying that this uh, that this is one of the best games they've ever played. I can see that. And um, yeah. if if it continues in this route, it will go up there on my list as well. I could see that as well. Breath of the Wild is one of the, like, it's one of those games that also took me a while to, to start really appreciating it. Yeah. Like, and I I could see the same kind of pain points there. I, that's why everyone keeps comparing them. I know Breath of the Wild is not the first uh, open world game, and Elden Ring is not copying uh, yeah. Breath of the Wild that. But there are so many overlaps in it. Breath of the Wild also had a lot of systems I didn't like. But can we take a moment to talk about the onboarding? Oh, yeah. Let, let's talk about your frustrations, actually. I'm very curious. Because yeah. I had many. I had many, many, many. Like, the... I get... A lot of them, it's like, they were frustrating in the moment, and that's still valid, but I get why the, mm-hmm. it's designed that way now when I didn't get it before. But my initial frustration is valid, and a lot of people are feeling those same frustrations. And yeah. one of them is that big mounted uh, uh, boss at the very beginning of the game. Yeah, the Golden Knight. Uh, the Golden yeah. Knight, yeah, he is literally a boss, and he's literally the second uh, like creature that you encounter if you skip the tutorial, which you're very likely going to skip the tutorial if you're new to these games, yeah. which is when you're yeah. going to need them the most. So, like that already, the whole onboarding experience at the beginning, I feel is a, is is wrong, and I still don't yeah. see a justification for it. His name is like, the Three Sentinel for all these Elden Rings fans that are like you know yelling at uh, at the at the bot podcast right now i know what the actual <laughs> name is but yeah, it's just it's referencing what the thing what the thing is yeah i agree yeah, and but... you know the, the funny part osama is that like i think it's the it's because i played these souls games before you, you know yeah. i i saw him as i went down that hill and i just went nope and snuck to the left <laughs> like wow. i just continued to sneak to the left and went forward so like as i started the game i never really battled him and he was wow. actually very easy to avoid. Yeah, he was easy to avoid once I knew to avoid him. But yeah. the initial encounter was I walk up to this this per- first thing. Yeah. He hits me once while I'm blocking. Now yeah. my shield is up in the air. He hits me a second time. I'm dead. That And I was like, what? I, and I was seething. I was seething. I'm like, it wasn't like a fight. He hit me once. I had a chance to run. It was literally like hit. Like I was in, in hit stun. Yeah. And then I was there. And that's yeah. it. I had nothing, no chance to yeah. do anything. I blocked the first attack. I was like, yay, me. Yeah. No, it wasn't enough. I was meant to die if you confront him. And but I you get had nothing that now. much to lose, though. Uh, also, I had nothing time. to lose. I had nothing to lose except that the promise of this game, and whether intentional or not, 
The Promise was this game that a lot of people said it was the most approachable Souls game. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, the most approachable Souls game. I will approach this first thing that they're throwing at me. Nope. And I, in my yeah. mind, I'm like, I made a big, big mistake. <laughs> like so, in my mind, I'm like, this is not going to be any different than any other Souls experience. So not, right not saying. Not saying that your experience is not, uh, you know, like your, your frustration that you felt or not arguing there at all. But my question is that, <laughs> didn't this kind of scare you from fighting anything bigger than you for a while? <laughs> yes. That's why retroactively it served its purpose. Like yeah. I was like, okay, now I know that the, it's not the sequence of when I see things is when I have to uh, like engage with them. Exactly. But then the game does this really weird thing where whenever you go to certain checkpoints, you know, those, those, the bonfires, as you call them, I think, site, the, the site of grace. Site of grace, yeah. The so, certain ones will point you in the direction of the main story. That's right. Which actually is the wrong way to go because that points you to the boss, which is you're way, way too underpowered to, to fight. So it's almost like, the game is pulling you towards where you shouldn't go. Uh-huh. At the same time as telling you you shouldn't go there with other mechanics. It's almost like an identity crisis there. Like, what would, what am I, what am I going to do? This mixed message is what I meant to say. What am yeah. I going to do? Am I going to follow your... your or, uh, really quickly, I learned, if it points you this way, go elsewhere. But that wasn't <laughs> helpful because elsewhere, there were so many choices. So I'm like, go to a random place and you'll figure it out. Yeah. And I had... A point where I was like really early on, where I was literally not attacking anything, anything. Mm-hmm. I was an observer. I was hiding. I was I was like, you know what? This is how I'm going to play this game. I'm just yeah. going to walk around, see as much of the area as I can until I have to fight, and then I'm going to quit. And it's going to join the shelf of unplayed Souls games like all the others. <laughs> because I was like, I'm loving the world. I love the, 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 the designs of the characters, but I, I'm, I'm, tired of, I'm tired of dying. And it's not just... Yeah. Like people say, we well, have nothing to lose when you die. You you gain things from the game that you die, but the things that you gain are are subtle. Uh, it's, you gain knowledge and you gain um, the experience, so, and like not the experience points, but in the sense of the experience of how you died, so that you don't repeat it. But the things that you lose are are valuable. You lose time, so at the time you feel it right away. The the experience you don't feel it. It's super subtle, and that's why I think one of the pain points is. Like I fought the first boss. My first when I fought the first boss, my only intention was to see how much damage I could to, do to the first boss. Because the first time I tried the Tree Sentinel again, because mm-hmm. this time I wanted to actually hit him and see how much damage. Like if if I hit him and a third of his life went away, I'm like, okay, good. If I get three good dodges, I hit him three times, he'll he'll die. I can you know I could do that. I hit him and it took off a sliver of health. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well I'm not gonna fight him. So. I engage with enemies to see not only what their attack patterns are, but how much damage I could do to them to assess my level of frustration if I try to beat them. That's true. And see if it's worth it. And that's a thing I don't normally do in games, period, right? Like, yeah. The games are not set up that way. Usually, if you if you you have a chance, anything you counter, you have a chance uh, to, to take them down. Here, it's like there's literally moments where, unless you're one of the best players in the world, and you have the perfect timing, and you, you're experienced in Souls games, so you can read the tells in advance and not learn them. You cannot. You just cannot. There's no, there's no way that you can do it. That's true. Um, so I almost fell off several times. 
and what stopped me from falling off. And I was frustrated because, like, I want to like this game. You know, other people were playing it with mm-hmm. the intent to prove themselves right. Like, <laughs> I know, I noticed this. They're like, well, exactly how, like, it's exactly how it worked out. And even though that was initially my reaction, mm-hmm. that wasn't my intention. I really, really wanted to like it. So I kept going back. I take a break for a day or two, and then I play it again. I'd be like, no, no, no. let me approach it differently now with what I know. And at one point, I was super, super frustrated because it just felt like uh, surprise death was re- like at one point, freaking werewolves, well, not werewolves, wolves rained from the sky surrounding me and got me in hit stun, and I died before mm-hmm. I realized what was happening. I heard a, a, a howl, and now all of a sudden I'm dead. And it, it was like I didn't understand what the lesson was in that, like. Was it don't go here? Because I mean, I did nothing. I just walked under a bridge. That's all it was. I guess it's yeah. look up. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but at the time, I was I was too angry uh, to at, at the sudden death to actually stop and think about it. Yeah. And when I when I stopped playing at that point, a lot of people, generously including yourself, offered to uh, teach me the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, but well, I mean, I don't see what how that would help. But okay, let, let's give it a shot. And uh, one of my friends, Jake, he like he was online and he poked me. He's like, okay, let's do this. I said, okay. We jumped in and it cemented two things. One, mm-hmm. that this game's philosophy is very different than most other games I've ever played, period. Uh, and there is uh, something about a game, games that are designed where they, they, they want to feel, they want to be holistic, right? Mm-hmm. They, everything is included in the game. Uh, this is not it. This is not that. There's so many pieces of, puzzle, of the puzzle that you cannot on your own know at the beginning and the game doesn't tell you or that it's so obscure and obfuscated that even if if it if it's there, you can't find it. And this was my experience when he finally told me how to do a whole bunch of things that I feel normally the games do by themselves. I didn't... like. Even getting him in my game was com- was confusing, because I, I, I saw I saw those statues uh, that mm-hmm. you're supposed to activate so that people can your, join your game. So he's like, okay, so go to about this area, and then you, uh, you can, like uh, I'll join you. So I walked up to the statue and I activated. It. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. He's like, no, 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 you need an item, and it's a consumable, and you have to craft it in this way, and then yeah. you know, like, and then you have to go in this menu and set a password, otherwise. You know, people will make like will invade and like do all these different things. Like, what? How was I supposed to know any of that? Mm-hmm. How was I supposed to guess it? Even getting help is confusing. Like, I know I understand that you want an, an onboarding that's like tough as nails because it's part of what you want the game to be. But I still like feel like there's no game above criticism. I have a lot. Uh, I have a lot of love for Breath of the Wild. I keep using it as an exception. Uh, sorry, as an example because I have so much love for it. But there's so many things about the game I just don't like, and I think they're bad design decisions because they they're not explained properly, and they feel like you know a weapon had. When you see a, a weapon made of, of of steel, there's an affordance for what it could do, how many mm-hmm. hits it it would take before it breaks, and that breaks that. So this is is similar where there's a lot of things where games do it this way. If you're not going to do it this way, then you have to have a very specific intention as to why you're not doing it this way. And if that intention is not clear to me, and in many cases it's not, then I think that's a mistake. Like it's one or the other. Either you're intentionally making it different because you have a purpose. What is the purpose of making multiplayer 
like hard to uh, to initiate. I don't understand. Why would would I like? I would love someone to explain to me. There, there might be one. I would love someone to explain me why I need to read a guide to understand how to initiate multiplayer. That I don't get it. I think and that's there are a lot fair. of. They've been going at it for forty-eight minutes and twenty seconds, and it's just been eldering. Like, okay, it's cool. It's cool. I love that they love the game this much. You know, it reminds me of how much I love Destiny. Did you know it's Ramadan in two weeks? Like it's almost there. Did you know that's the thing? Like it, you need to start planning some stuff for that. It's a it's a big thing, you know. I know. Am I gonna cook every day again? I liked cooking every day in the first Corona year. I don't think I'm gonna do Animal Crossing again. I did Animal Crossing Sahors like two years ago. Those were really fun, but uh, it also made me really sad that Nintendo just didn't build that into Animal Crossing. That somebody had to go do it. I don't know. Been a pretty good week. Been a pretty good. I I had a good week. It's a busy week, but it's a good week. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I've just been, you know, doing some upkeep on Destiny. I haven't really had much time to to play other games. Been very busy with some interesting work projects, and uh, that's been nice. It's been good. Um, the flying is going really well. I, I don't know if I mentioned earlier during the edit. I've been focused on the edit, but a last lesson we actually did forced simulated landings where you take the airplane and you um, your instructor basically turns off the engine unexpectedly and, and you know just sets it to idle and then you have to do a low pass over the ground in a place where you could have safely landed and it's just to make sure that you get the muscle memory so that if it happens in the real world you don't do anything that jeopardizes the plane anyway that was really fun um yeah, I've started recording them in 360-degree video with my GoPro Max, and uh, it means that I can now watch them back in my VR goggles, and that is wild, super cool. It really gives you that that sense of skill. So that's been good. Uh, the workflow for working with 360 video is still really bad on computer, though, so that's not great. Um, doing a big cleanup of my apartment, uh, that's been interesting. You know, you come across a lot of stuff from previous lives or, or previous periods of your life and it's you know you have to you have to reckon with those and deal with those and you know move on from those so that's been it's been a little difficult but i think the cleaning is really good just to, you know it was time to do i don't know do you all love doing like a proper deep clean of your place i do i i don't do it often enough but i really love doing it Anyway, I just thought I'd inject any content that isn't Elden Ring for a bit, and uh, I'm just I'm just gonna pass it back to see how many more minutes of Elden Ring they have. I, you know, I'm sitting here with my bottle of Fanta and uh, just uh, a little snack, and uh, let's just keep going. Let's see how this continues. Yeah, there are a lot of things like that where I didn't understand what this uh, consumable did. I didn't understand what this, how to do this in the menus. I didn't like. There, there's a lot of things that are not explained that would make the experience much easier. And it, and people keep saying, well, the game's all about friction and this adds friction. There's good friction and there's bad friction. There's a, I just opened the menu quickly to glance at a thing to know which direction I went. And now I can't remember how to close the menu in a second. And that's just annoying. That doesn't, that's not Far Cry 2 where you hold the, the, the map up and while you're driving. And then it's like either you're, you're seeing the road or you're seeing the map. That's intentional. Right. This is a yeah. 
you know, you, you have to like open it quickly and take a look because the experience there is, um, you, you like you have, you have one of two, it's a toggle between these two things. You're either seeing the road or you're see, seeing the other set of information. You can't have both information at the same time. And that makes for a more dangerous experience. Like if you're running away from someone, uh, or if you have to get somewhere really quickly and you, like using the map is not a, a shortcut to that. It's, it's a choice. This felt different. Like I bring up the map and I want to take it away. I should be able to do it intuitively. And people will defend it. Oh, it adds friction. No, that is a UI mistake. If people keep pressing the wrong button, that's why we do play tests. We do play tests so you avoid like people accidentally doing the wrong thing. If you add friction because you, whenever you open the map, it stays for three seconds before the animation of unfolding it, and therefore you have to be intentional in when you open the map, like you said about like the heart attack and how when you do the heart attack, it's not cancelable, then whether people like it or not, that I could uh, agree is intentional. But if you're yeah. using, if you're bringing up the map and accidentally pressing the wrong button each time, that's a UX mistake. Let's be clear. It adds mm-hmm. friction, not in a good way. Yeah. And those are the kind of things that I really feel are peppered everywhere, or like sprinkled everywhere in the game, where it's yeah. like, no, that's, and I, the game has, I'm sorry, I've been talking a long monologue. I'm going to leave you to, <laughs> to, to comment. I'm sorry. It's just that the highs are so high, Fozy. The good is so good. And the, the bad just is not needed. It's just not there. I'm totally for having a game that's not for everyone. I, like, I actually believe that's the right way to make a game. Make a game for a target audience. Make them like it. That's totally okay. I'm not talking about accessibility feature. I'm talking about you know the types of fun that people have and the, like where it pulls. If, if the if the combat in the game is intended to be a certain way, go for it. You know, just make it for the people who like that kind of combat. I'm I'm not for people making excuses for the mistakes like the, of of, the, of a game that are not intentional and don't actually add for it. I think that like no game is above uh, critique, and you know, that's like, the cap. I, I I can see why you're passionate about this. I think it's like you know part of it is the criticism for the game, but I think you're probably more passionate about this because of the discourse over the yeah. criticism for the game. It feels like you know this is a game that you're not allowed to criticize in any way. And I've seen over Twitter like somebody has something to say about the game's UX. I mean, they're talking about me here, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, don't criticize Elder Ring on Twitter.com. It goes really poorly. Uh, anyway, yeah, sorry. I'm just back real quick. Did they really just fill 50 minutes with Elden Ring? I think they just really filled like 50 minutes with Elden Ring. And they say I talk about Destiny too much. I don't talk about Destiny for 50 minutes for one episode. This is this is intense. I mean, it's a pretty good discussion, let's be honest. But like, wow, Osama Fauzi. Touch some grass instead of grace. Come on. Wow. Anyway, back to it. People, uh, especially fans of the game, went over to uh, to character assassinate or to uh, to make fun of uh, people's experiences or to harass other people. And, uh, you know, we've said that so many times on this podcast. There is no, there is no excuse for harassment ever. Never. And uh, there is no excuse for, you know, bad treatment of people because they disagree with your opinion or because they don't like something you like. That's just, you know, uh, immature, uh, generally. Yeah. But, um, and uh, so, well, a, per, uh, a friend of mine once said, the highest for, uh, criticism is the highest form of flattery. 
And yeah. I really like that. When it comes to like the game design, criticism is the highest form of flattery. If they just say that it's bad and then we don't talk about it, but like, you know, if you if you do criticism in a constructive way or like, you know, just like a precise way of like, I don't think this is working because of these reasons, I think that is very valuable for somebody that, you know, is doing any kind of design work so that they can integrate it into their design or to have that discussion or to try something out. Um, but yeah, to, to to use criticism in a way that is offensive, that is the part that I completely disagree with, and that's part of the discourse that I did not like at all. Uh, you, you, but hit you... It on the head. you hit it on the head. It's exactly that. Like it's, I I I don't think any game should be about uh, criticism at all, and I mm. don't waste time criticizing games that I don't think have value. Like everything have value. I, I mean, it's relative, but I mean, I don't yeah. waste time to. To criticize a game that has too many flaws or that I just don't consider good, subjective, mm-hmm. not objective. Yeah. And when I do take the time to criticize a game, it's because I find value in it, because I think there's so many good things about it. Like, what's the point of kick- what's the expression kicking a dead horse? What's the yeah. point of doing that, right? Yeah. Like, think of it like more. It's a it's a horse show, and you're looking at the best horses in the world, and then you're trying to find flaws in them. I hate that example. I like I, I don't like that example. I'll take it back. Forget yeah. I said that. <laughs> Forget you don't you don't need to explain, but, you explain I, it well enough. I understand. I understand completely your point of view, and I think like you know a lot of the UX uh, criticism of the game is legit. You know, like uh, like you said, if people are opening the map with one button, closing it with the other, it's making it's making them hit the wrong button every single time. There's something there. Um, if it's gonna take you to go on the internet to understand how to equip a fire arrow. Uh, to use with your bow and you can't find that anywhere in the game that there's obviously something to do there if if the tutorial would require you to throw yourself in a hole as you're just starting to play the game (laughs) and if you completely miss that part of the game then you you're thrown into the open world without understanding how things work it's also like bizarre for me it's it feels like that the the people that know these games should have thrown themselves in the hole (laughs) and the newbies should have just like kept on moving forward it should have been in reverse so it felt it feels more like a troll than uh, than a deliberate design call in some way it's almost like you know yeah. they're they're taunting the player, which is not a good feeling, if you're no. coming in new. Um, so I think you know that there's there's a lot of criticism, and the criticism is legit. But I think also the criticism is uh, noticeable in a game like this because it is a masterpiece and a masterclass in a lot of design. Just because it's so good yeah. that these bad things that. I understand a lot of the people that really love the game are willing to overlook because, of course, it doesn't stop them from enjoying the experience. But because it doesn't stop you from enjoying the experience and because the game is so good, these things stand out even more. It's kind of like when you have a a pristine white wall and you have this one smudge, (laughs) one tiny smudge on the wall, you will instantly see it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But if you had a wall that was just garbage all over it, you're just gonna move on. <laughs> exactly. You're not gonna start talking about all the little, you know, smudges. Exactly. And stains you're not, ga- you're not gonna notice that little dot on the wall if the wall was garbage. But if it's like a, a pristine wall and there's a, you know, a smudge on it, then that smudge will draw attention, and I think that's totally fair. And I think it's worth having record. a discussion about so that you know the. That developers, other designers, also anybody that's you know engaged in this conversation can go forward and help out. Even as content creators, for example, 
they can yeah. take note of the thing that is frustrating most people and then create content that help them through it you know <laughs> like everybody can learn from this discourse nobody would learn from harassment the only thing that people are taking out of harassment which is very sad for me is that it is silencing voices yeah. and uh, for game devs especially like it's creating a very hostile environment in which like you can't engage you can't talk about your own work you can't talk about anyone else's work then <laughs> yeah. but you know yeah. this uh, this field that i decided to dedicate my life to uh, to work in and create and i can't even discuss with my colleagues and peers about like the only way i can do this without fearing consequences is to create an account with two followers and put a random anime profile picture and just say what <laughs> um, i think we should be better than this and i think we should definitely like uh, create the environment for us to be able to talk about these things normally Absolutely. So for the record, I like your wall example way better than my horse one. I think it works <laughs> way better. And the second point I'd like to say is that um, there are a lot of games uh, that basically, basically designers play games, they get inspired by games. And whenever a game is really good, they try to understand what is good about it and to replicate that. And I'll Part of that process is having discourse, is having conversations with other designers so they could like because sometimes you just get it and sometimes you don't get it, but someone else can help you get it. That's just normal. This is how human beings work and communication yeah. works. And if you silence us, then what, what's probably going to happen is that people who are trying to replicate it, um, you know, they might draw the wrong, the, the, uh, wrong ex examples from it, you know? Yeah, uh, they might understand the wrong things. Like a, an example that we even use on this podcast. What was the game that Ubisoft made that looked like Breath of the Wild? Uh, uh, Immortals. Phoenix Immortals. Rising. Phoenix. That's the one. So yeah. I enjoyed that game. I thought it was really good. Narratively, it was really cool. There was um, n no feeling of of Breath of the Wild. Mechanics of Breath of the Wild were 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 very similar you could climb mm -hmm. walls and you could you could glide across the open world and there had a lot of mechanics like it but the the open the, the, there was one part that was missed and i'm not like point, point, pointing fingers at any specific individual that's not how it works i know this is a collaboration between a lot of different people and i don't know what the intention behind the game is but one of the feelings that i had from from uh, breath of the wild comes from an, having scarcity of enemies there's a huge open uh, fields of nothing so mm. that when you encounter something it feels special and i i found the the one main criticism i had about uh, uh immortals even though i finished it and i really enjoyed it the main thing a uh, uh, criticism i had is that there was too much there were mm -hmm. enemies everywhere you couldn't take three steps without encountering a thing and so encountering a thing even that was unique and set up in an interesting way felt less special it was like noise that was mm. that was bizarre and that's a thing that I, I I mean, that's a kind of thing that needs conversation so other people could realize it because other people might play it. And if uh, some people just come to them like right away and say, I don't know, it just doesn't feel different. You hear that a lot. I don't know why, but and then someone else can make it clear for you. If we if we don't have a safe space where we could have these conversations, many games will repeat the same mistakes and they're not going to like find the good part and improve on the formula. And that's a, that's going to be bad for everyone to silence people it's going to be bad for everyone anyway like, I is there anything agree. else to, 
Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Is no, there no, anything just... else you wanted to talk about in Elden Ring before? Because we have a few email, um, maybe too many to fit for the rest of this podcast. Wow, they did it. They did it. Finally. They're done with Elden Ring. No more Elden Ring. I'm done. Let's get to emails. Let's hear what's up. There were a couple specifically related to Elden Ring. I swear to God. If you... Oh, let's uh, let's read those then. Then maybe we can cover more Elden. Let's cover all the Elden Ring stuff before Ronnie. These guys can never <laughs> complain before again. Emails without Elden can Ring. Can never complain again back. about so, Destiny. Yeah, yeah. Send us emails. Literally and uh, for never, those who are listening, you can send again. us emails at emails at thehabibis.com so that Osama can read them on the air, and then we'll uh, we we love to hear from everybody around their questions. And it seems like a lot of people are also playing Elden Ring. So, <laughs> what do they have in yeah. mind? So, um, yeah, and the other emails that were not on this topic, we'll read them in a future episode. We'll catch up. One day I'll, I'll go through my email, I'll find all the older ones, and we'll go over those. Uh, so this is an email by Chance, and he says, um, I'm writing in for the second time to ask a game design question that I would love to hear your perspective on. With Elden Ring being released recently, some people have bounced off of it due to its difficulty, and among other things. Does a game have to be difficult to be fun? If it mm-hmm. is difficult... How do you balance difficulty with fairness? If a game is easy, how do you make that engaging? Uh, I'm sure th- these are common questions in game dev, and I would love to hear your thoughts. Keep up the good work. Thank you. We will. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. So, like, you know, as, as we've discussed from a design point of view about uh, this game over this podcast, is that uh, while the game is difficult in some ways, I think a lot of what makes it difficult is that it approaches player expectations from an unexpected angle. And uh, as the players adjust their understanding of what this game is expecting them to do, uh, makes it appear to be more difficult than it is. The example there is that Osama trying to fight uh, a boss that is way over his level. In any other game, it will clearly tell you that this is way over your level and you just steer clear. Whereas in this game, it doesn't. And then you go in and it will kill you. And then you go like, oh, this game is too crucial. Or like in most games, you should be able, uh, it will allow you to wander into the area and then enemies will either, you'll see them coming or you'll have enough time to react if they see them coming. And this game, the game will quickly teach you that you can't just wander in anywhere because you get jumped. <laughs> so you start to sneak in, uh, watch everywhere, uh, assume that there's a trap of, at every angle. Um, and I think once you start to learn all of these things, and then you learn how to level up, and then you learn how to level up to be in accordance to the enemy, and you learn how to not mash, but be more deliberate. Once you learn, once you reverse your expectations of what you've learned from other games, and learn how this game expects you to act, I think... It's not that it's hard, that difficult. So like for a lot of the players that said you need to get good, I disagree with that. They're not like, you know, way more skilled than a lot of other players. <laughs> and I still like probably say that a lot of the get good players would not stand a chance against a really uh, skilled fighting game player. I agree. <laughs> um, but it's just those players just manage to understand what they're, uh, what the game is expecting them to do. Mm-hmm. And once or they you just get... spent enough time to be able to get there. Well, exactly, exactly, and and I think that's uh, that's ultimately what it is. But that's maybe not the answer directly to the question. But it's uh, it's a point I wanted to make about Elden Ring difficulties because people ons- often associate Souls games with difficulty. But it's not that it's difficult. It's just that we you go in with the different expectations almost all the time, and the game punishes you until you learn its way. Yeah. So and I say. think the punishing part. The, you use the word punishing. And I think that's one thing that makes Elden Ring very, very different than other games. And mm-hmm. in other games, 
um, if you get knocked down on the ground, chat, you're, you're like you, you, basically the enemy stop attacking you. Uh, they give you a chance to get up. Uh, mm-hmm. Elden Ring will they'll hit you again <laughs> and again if it connects because it's all like about if they're attacked it's a connect, they can still miss. Yeah. It's a system that's in place that like there's no there 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 are no limits to to what is is possible to happen to you in terms of punishment. Uh, because that fits with the the intention behind the game, which is we want to be brutal and we want to teach you to do things intentionally and the right way. So yeah. uh, not every game ha- approaches it the same way. Talking more generally, um, there is a connection between fun and difficulty, but it's not a one-to-one. Uh, mm-hmm. the, if you read about the flow theory, flow theory says that if you want to get in the flow, then uh, there are a certain set of criteria that uh, the activity that you're doing have to meet. One it's of the these sweet act- spot of difficulty, basically, what you need to arrive to arrive at the flow. It's not not too hard, not too easy. Exactly. If it's too easy, you'll be bored. If it's too hard, it'll be frustrating. Frustrating. And you have to find that that mid spot. The thing is, that doesn't account for so many. I mean, it does account for it, but but I mean, in a game, uh, people have different skill levels. They have different knowledge that they come with. All of that affects this middle path. So the middle path is not the same for everyone, and that's mm-hmm. why most designers they do playtesting to to find that bell curve. If the, yes. if the majority of people can find flow, then um, like that's great. Like the, that means again, most people will not find it boring or, or, or difficult. The 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 difference is, um, oh, sorry. The the one thing to note is flow is not fun. There is a correlation between those two things, but they're not mm-hmm. the same thing. You can have activities that have nothing to do with fun and get in the flow with uh, in them. Like for example, accountants can get into the flow doing their work. Um, like bec- if there's a time limit and if the outcome is uncertain, these are all like criteria of being in the flow. You can get in a flow doing an activity repeatedly that requires you, you to be uh, alert and under, uh, under, under like understand the, the like intentional about your actions, but that's not necessarily fun. However, they're still getting the flow. So flows is this other concept that in games can be related to fun, but there are other ways to get in flow. And the main um the, the, the main goal of a designer in a game isn't isn't always fun. It's actually just the overall experience. And that could, like, if you notice, a lot of things that we're loving about uh, Elden Ring isn't fun. It's the, the feeling of discovery. It's seeing a beautiful vista. It's to be rewarded by things. All of these could be related, but they're not fun. Fun is, 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 is this other intangible thing. So it's impossible to answer the question directly, in my uh, opinion, mm-hmm. because there's so many different flow states. Uh, difficulty is just one factor of it. It's only related in most cases in combat. The the game has so much more to it than just that. There's other reasons to enjoy games. People are, there are different player types. Some don't like the challenge. Others, actually, that's the main thing. And in an open world game with a lot of systems and a lot of mechanics and a lot of things working at the same time, different people can enjoy the same thing for different reasons. And um, like, it's it's just a huge topic. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry if that doesn't and help. I th- but. And I think, like, you know, what, what we need to do as, as designers is try to get as much information to give us an indicator that we are closer to that flow or not. And then, like, so that will be by playtesting, getting all the data that we can, and uh, our own intuition and the intuition of our colleagues and people, or like past experience from making uh, games in the same series or similar kinds of games. And then we combine all of that to get us an indicator of this is probably the right level of sweet spot that we want to land in. And even still, sometimes we get that wrong. We get that, you know, as close to right as possible, though, and that's basically what we need to achieve. But this is also why 
you see in live games, so like if you play MOBAs or like uh, fighting games or something like that, there are constant patches, and occasionally mm-hmm. a patch comes out, and then it it seemingly changes the meta of the entire game, or like one character becomes obsolete or more useful or something like that. These are all like um, the act of balance in a video game, whether it's difficulty balance or any other kind of balance, it's uh, the mixture of informed and intuitiveness from the design perspective. And then trying mm-hmm. to marry both into creating that um, that optimum player experience. And as uh, Osama said, the, the act of balance is not necessarily only difficulty or like trying to find the number of retries before you beat an enemy or something like that. It could be the balance between exploration and combat. It could be the balance oh. between the number of combat or encounters that you need to have. It could be the balance of uh, uh, character speed compared to the horse speed. So um, in, a, in a video game, there's so many um, systems and acts at play and making sure that all of these uh, dynamics and mechanics in balance is what make a video game uh, enjoyable. And I think as we're giving these examples, I hope that's giving a lot of people an insight into how easy it is for one number to screw a lot of things up and yep. <laughs> how much um, uh, a plate spinning designers and developers are usually doing, especially for massive games such as these. Um, yeah. So it's a long-winded answer, but if you were hoping for a silver bullet, I was like, yeah, I'll just use this Excel sheet of four different numbers, <laughs> uh, then we probably disappointed you. But I think um, how you think and approach is basically the compass that all designers use, is that we have a, a method, a methodology, way of thinking, and then we apply that into balancing or any other act like that. Absolutely. So well done. Well, well, well said. Well, well put. Um, but yeah, okay, so let's move on to the other question because... I have been editing this one hour and 10 minutes for the past 45 minutes, and I've literally only heard about Elden Ring. Please, anything. We don't have that much time. Yeah, one okay. more. One more before we uh, one wrap more. this up. Okay, here we go. Yes. So we have another question by Susan. Our, our I don't know. I don't want to speak for all of us, but my favorite person who writes a lot <laughs> and I like show. her questions. <laughs> um, so Susan asks, I'm wondering, do you think that games coming out today are legitimately easier for the majority of their player base uh, because they started out playing more complex video games so much younger? For example, I was 21 when the first Dark Souls came out. Oh my God. If I had started playing at age 13, my neural pathways and fine motor skills would be categorically different than they are now. We see this phenomenon with esports players and their reaction times. How is it affecting game design in general? Very good question. Yeah, I swear to God, you guys, if you bring this back to Elden Ring again, I swear. Hmm, very good question. I think there, there's, there's two parts of this question, though. There's the part one, are games getting easier? And then the mm-hmm. other part is that are, uh, are gamers getting better because they're playing a lot more games? Uh-huh. right so uh i think like the for the first part i don't think games are getting easier i think developers are getting more uh focused on or better at onboarding players into their games and mm-hmm. i think uh, we now know like you know back in the day the game would come out and a developer would not know anything about how players are playing the game other than yeah. the letters they would get in the mail almost literally but now they can at least know how many people are actually finishing the game. They can see how many people are creating content for the game. There's so many ways for a developer to see how players are interacting with the game. So we've gotten a lot better at fine-tuning our experiences so that players could finish it. 
you know, yeah. like the, oh, the original Ninja Gaiden, I bet no one finished that game. Like, I never finished yeah. that when I was a kid, that's for sure, on the NES. Yeah. That thing was a nightmare. I came far. I went far, but I did not finish it. And I played that <laughs> to death. There yeah. were a lot of, back then, a lot of games were difficult. And I think it was, I have a theory. I don't know if this is valid, but I have a theory. It's because those games came on the, um, uh, like on the backs from arcade games. And arcade games were intentionally designed with a very steep difficulty curve. That's uh, true. Intentionally, because basically they want you to put your first quarter and play for a significant amount of time so you, you become invested. But then with each quarter that you put in after that, it has to be a shorter and shorter and shorter period of time so that they make more money. That, that's, that was exactly the monetization. If you play like a lot of the beat-em-ups, like the, the Ninja Turtle TMNT games or the uh, Simpsons games, if you play them on emulator now, and just you'll see. See how how far you get with those initial quarters, and then how um, how long like there's there's no progression system giving you a lot uh, uh, abilities to be able to tackle this. It was designed intentionally to be profitable. So many people who have like very fond memories of arcade games, the majority of them, I would guess, never saw the end content. They only see the beginning, and they spend about five bucks or whatever their threshold was, and then they'd walk away. And I feel like the first SNES games. Uh, that era, right? The NES and SES games uh, were very difficult because people who played in arcades expected that level of difficulty. So I think there's yeah. a one to one there. And, you know, once the console market became bigger than arcade market, we started seeing uh, continues going away and other like mechanics that came directly from the arcades go away and difficulties level out with progression systems allowing you to finish a game because now people were spending money. Uh, on the cartridge and they expected to be able to make it to the end. So the, the player expectations were very, very different. Um, so that's answering to one side of the question from my side. The other side, uh, now I am 42, almost 43 years old, and I've played many Dark, Dark Souls games, or so Souls games, I should, I should call them just Souls games. Um, I've never gotten it, and I think I'm starting to get it now with Elden Ring, and I've seen a lot of people say, Oh, now that I'm playing Eldering, I feel like I should go back and try those Souls games again because they intuited that they've learned something valuable that they could take back into those games. So age is not the only factor, but just understanding like uh, the intentions of a game or the setups of a game or the systems and how they come into play uh, is enough. Like I'm, I'm a little too old to, to create too many neuro, neural pathways now mm -hmm. that will, will help me in terms of my motor skills. Actually, it's all downhill once you hit like 23 i think in terms of your reaction speeds the reflexes um, and all of that so like yeah. when, when, when she mentioned esports yeah like um yeah. The, the age is definitely a determining factor in reflex speeds and some of these stuff though like there exactly. were like you know dota uh like and i think dota maybe is a, a special case because it's uh it doesn't require as fast apm as some of the other like uh mouse and keyboard based games but still like it still requires a fair reaction game but there were like dota uh pros in their 30s um but yeah um they're very rare and like the, you almost always see that because um the reflex speed just required for these games is just yeah it's not there for the older demographics such as ourselves or some <laughs> <laughs> it's fine we can still find games we can, like at least in, in elden ring i could ask for help from younger players to jump in and beat the bosses for me so it still works as soon as i figure out how to invite them in that's the yeah. part. 
<laughs> yeah, and there, I think there was an interesting element to our discussion, and maybe we can maybe visit it again with uh, Rami here because I think um, the experience that his mom had and kind of like yeah. you know, she she wasn't a gamer that started learning how to use a controller and how to traverse virtual worlds using a controller before that so this is like a huge learning hurdle that she needed to get over until she got into it and once she got into it she was treated by it to, to start playing and it's because like you know as much as we say controls are intuitive video game controls are not intuitive in comparison to like vr controls in which people can immediately get it yeah uh, whereas video game controllers uh, controls require you to have a basic uh, motor skill function of understanding how a controller works and how to move a camera using sticks and all of that stuff. So, you know, the more you become good at learning these things, obviously this is learning that you take with you. And um, in some cases, unfortunately, I think, you know, uh, there are the, we, we the developers focus on making games for the vast majority of players that are familiar with the controller um, instead of dedicating enough time to get people to onboard into using controllers and stuff like that, just because it's so much work to be done in between. And I wonder if there's a way in which that um, there'll be like, I don't know, a separate video game onboarding software that like you, hey, if you've never played video games before, play this. This will onboard you <laughs> to everything we've known so far. And then now you can play any other video game, you know? Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's, there's a room for something like that because uh, just the, the basic understanding of like left stick to move, right stick to move camera for a third person controller for anybody who's never played a video game is very difficult to grasp. It takes some time it to is. get used to, you know. It's yeah, that's the thing. It's not like I agree with you 100%. It's not that learning it is is hard. It's basically having it be a reflex that takes time. So a lot uh, of games are like, you know, to now walk forward. And if nobody walks forward, they have a prompt that says press L to walk forward. Uh, and they'll teach you what you know the association, but it's the muscle memory that comes with it, the intuition. Yeah. That that's not like I want to move my camera now. Which one was it again? And then you start pressing everything on your controller. Yeah. Uh, that you're not doing that. You're just like automatically you're moving the right stick because that's the the convention, right? Yeah. That takes time, and that I don't think there's any shortcut to it uh, other than spend the time, and that's sad. That's really, yeah. really sad. I yeah. agree. But we should definitely revisit this conversation with Rami's here because I think he has a lot of interesting uh, observations like, you know, watching his mom grow in, uh, in gaming and like watching her get over these hurdles and like, you know, catch up on those and like uh, almost no time at all. What like, you know, a lot of us spend decades learning. So uh, I'll, I'm going to ask him about this on our, uh, next time he's around. Oh, they mentioned mom. OK, I like this episode now. Well done, you guys. Sorry I wasn't around. <laughs> Good work. Um, but I think it's time to put a doily on this one as well. I don't, I don't know what you feel, Osama. Uh, I love it. Let's do uh, it. Let's doil it up. Let's doil it up. Uh, <laughs> Rami, we miss you. Uh, hopefully next time yeah. you're around so that we can have this conversation. Thank you for everybody who sent us an email. This is all for today's episode of The Habibis. Thank you all for listening. See you next week. But for the time being, set up. Set up. I can't believe that I skip on an episode and they talk for one hour and 19 minutes about Elden Ring. Just straight up. One hour and 19 minutes of Elden Ring. And then a 35 second fragment about my mom. I'm impressed. I have to admit. I'm impressed. You did it. You did the thing. Alright, that was the edit. Thanks so much for coming along on this ridiculous edit right uh this was another episode of the habibis i guess fauzi already did it but 
I don't know how to end this otherwise. So this was another episode of the Habibis podcast. Tune in every Friday. Uh, send emails to info at thehabibis.com and check us out on Discord. Yeah, I guess I'll just, I'll just play the music. I'll play the music. Here we go.